the holy grail it's holy yeah. grail all the way for them like they yeah. you know they just don't i think yeah no i do think there are funny parts well let's go let me go through <laughs> so, <to> me. <laughs> yeah. shrubbery yeah so mooses uh, and then in brackets swedish in subtitles i don't remember that i don't find it. just a flesh wound I yeah that yeah. Knights of Knee, and then I've got Shrubbery. Two-leveled <laughs> effect with a nice little path through the middle. <laughs> and then bring out the dead. Look, I'm not dead. Oh, well, another two minutes. <laughs> Burn the witch. <laughs> Don't remember that. Frenchman, I will fart in your face. I spit on you, pig dog. I flap my naughty bits at your auntie. You see, now I think that's a bit immature, not funny. Mm. The Trojan bunny rabbit. So what's that? Oh. Is that a big rabbit with... P- soldiers in it or no no I, or, no i just remember there's that bunny rubber at the end because yeah, killer it's killing it's killing yeah maybe because it looks so sweet and then it's like this rabid yeah, savage <laughs> rabbit like this little white rabbit right uh european slash african swallows carrying coconuts migrating i don't remember that bit i don't know that mm. uh oh this is my favorite bit that I do remember and I love it. Boy trapped by father kept breaking into song. Music starts up, wind blows through the curtains, silhouette falls on the wall, then father <laughs> rushes in saying, no, come on, none of this. Then the music dies down. Boy sent message to Sir Lancelot, John Cleese, to rescue him. Lancelot thought it was a damsel in distress, so went to the tower, slayed everything in his path, including bridal party of little girls. So that I, I do remember I, that. I, I love he's that like, scene. He yeah, he's like in into a tower <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like a damsel being forced to marry. It's like, no. <laughs> and it's all quite camp, isn't it? I yeah, think. it's yeah, very camp. Quite, yeah. I think the implication is that he's gay. Yeah. Uh, at one stage, a historian came on to narrate a scene and he got killed by a knight on a charger. The historian's wife runs on Bobby oh, and Bobby's policeman to investigate. Then through the rest of the film, there are flashbacks to ambulances and detectives and Bobby's in real life, supposedly. Uh, then I've got, oh, Tim, Enchanter. I don't know that. I've got, sorry, Rabbit. And I've got John Cleese arrested, frisked at police car. And then I've got c'était très drôle. C'était très... (laughs) C'était très drôle. Yeah. C'était très... I can't... C'était très drôle. C'était très drôle. (laughs) Wow. C'était très drôle. Yeah, I I think that the thing with Monty Python, I think... I do think that Life of Brian... It was more. It's a story. It's it's a story, and it's and the, like Holy Grail that you know the Not story, really. but it felt like more skits kind of put together. Yes, and I think as well with Life of Brian, it was more like focused on the relationship between the Romans hmm. and the Jewish people, and this idea of like. The Messiah, not Messiah. You know, it's it's mm. it's a it's a real kind of satirical take on Christianity and that whole story, right? Whereas with the Holy Grail, it's more I feel like situational. So it's like, okay, yes, it's medieval like England, and so you got the peasants in the mud, and they're just like trailing through shit, and then you got the bring out your dead, or you got the person on the horse, you know. And so yeah. it's funny, but it's not it's not as funny. No, but it, I, I just think it is- it's more s- s- sillier humor, or more kind of yeah. It's less developed and it is yeah. more skit-based, which yeah. is why there's only a couple of things that I probably I remember. Like, um, mm. And the Knights of Knee, 
the shrubbery was great, but the knights themselves didn't really make me laugh and, mm. or, or don't when I think about it now. And that French man, I flapped my naughty bits in your auntie's face. To me that's – I remember that. It's kind of <laughs> puerile. It's not – to me it's not funny. Whereas in The Life of Brian there's like – Everything's <laughs> funny. Everything's funny except there's maybe one or two that, that I don't think are that funny and it's around Brian's mother, Mrs. Cohen. Um, there's a couple of things she says, you know, that I don't think, I didn't think are funny and I don't think are funny. Well, one is like, you mean you were raped or at first? You yeah, know, that's kind yeah, of, it's yeah. it's a bit, uh, yeah, that's, that's not really funny. And there might be one other thing that she says, Mrs. Cohen as a character, she's yeah. a reprehensible character. She's sure. not. But everything mm. is funny apart from Yeah, even like the side, the side characters, like the <laughs> like crucifixion yes. and then the haggler. Oh, what do you mean? No, no that's not how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> what is that's it? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's <laughs> trying to kill me. And you got he's a handle like, with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then and then even just the guy in the jail who's like, oh, I would give anything to be hung right side up. Just oh, for an hour or just two. Just for an hour or two. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it's, you know, half a shekel for. Oh, what, the shekel, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, for an so Olympic flipper. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then the prophet. You the know. prophet. The prophet, I think, yes. is my favourite part. It is. Hands down every time yeah. I cry with laughter. And I would say I've seen that movie so many, like mm. 15 times if not more. Mm. And I will still cry with laughter until the day I die at that prophet. Mm. Mm. It is pure yeah. genius. It is pure genius. I think the thing too about genius. this is that it's very it's very intelligent in a way that the other one wasn't. It is spot on in terms of the statements it's making. I mean, the thing with satire is that there needs to be a subtext and there needs to be messaging. It can't just be, you know, irony for irony's sake or exaggeration yes. for exaggeration's sake. There has to be something and they Some are making such a, yeah, mm-hmm. they're making such a statement and that it, still holds up today what they're saying with that. Yeah. And, and, and the whole, you know, people's front mm. of Judea and I thought we were the people. You know, that we're is the, we're yeah. the popular front, people's front, you know. but And, that, then, and what happened to the, yeah, no, the popular front. Yeah, he's like over, over there, there. One, and he's <laughs> one guy, one guy, the popular front. But that, uh, just that is still so relevant today how Mm. all the factions all the infighting all the kind of no there's no cohesion to to take take down you know all of these kind of stands and plans that are going to change nothing and then that whole meeting where they're like Mm. you know we got to get rid of the romans and what have the romans ever done for us which is just such a moment of like people taking a stand against like this big authority mm. and like for, for what and for why without like recognizing that maybe that is like some mm. better which yeah. is very interesting and I think yeah I agree I think that that is just like what the best humor is is satirical humor and humor that makes you kind of just be like think. yeah yeah when you're laughing because it's like it's so true and has like just cut so to the core of like humanity essentially and you're just well, like, it makes you see see stuff you see stuff it opens yeah. opens your eyes but i guess there'll be some people that would just watch it and just on the surface level be entertained think it's funny without maybe either seeing mm. the subtext or 
bothering with the subtext or caring about the subtext. But I think that's why they were so great is because I think, you know, previously to kind of comedy in like movies and shows, you know what I mean? Like obviously you had comedy, but I think, and you would have always had comedy on the stage that would have been for like Shakespeare. Yeah, it was for the everyday mm. person. You know, mm-hmm. we think of him as so highbrow now. So there's always been that. Mm. But this was like, I think, so like mass consumable because of TVs and like how we were all kind of connected and everyone could see it across the world. Yeah. That, yeah, I think that's what part of their brilliance was, was it being done in such a format and in such a way that is, super accessible to like all walks of life essentially and there might have been people that maybe haven't had say a lot of knowledge or education on kind of you know Christianity or um, but also choosing a story that is actually known to majority of people even if they're religious or not you know and therefore it understandable um I think people would have definitely at least understood the the broad strokes of, of what they were doing and kind of maybe that did make them think, yeah, it's just, it's so good. I think like just having those really Cockney accents, having those really like, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was, that was so therapy. deliberate. Yeah. And I think that was maybe I'd like to do some research to see mm. if that had been done before that idea. And I know it, it's been used since that not even trying not even trying to approximate some sort of local accent, in fact, making it so Cockney, so kind of London East East Mm. End, and that that was just so great. But The Death of Stalin, I think they do a similar thing. They've got very British voices, Mm. and, I mean, that's such an incongruity. Yes. But it it really worked. Mm. Mm. Well, they've kind of done that. They've taken it to another level, I feel like now, say, um, The Great. Remember that that show about Catherine the Great? Yeah. And then also The Favourite, which yes. both they're not using old-timey language. They're using sure. quite modern. They're swearing. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of and, – and it's kind of like the next level of that or the progression of, of that because, you know, with The Great, they're just kind of mm. talking as, as normal mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So mm. – it is interesting. It's kind of with that, it kind of brings it into the modern space and makes you be like, oh, wow, they're human too. And they probably were swearing just as much as we are. But we, sure. you know, we think of all these like merchant ivory period dramas. That's right. Ones, so, you know, Helena. Yeah, exactly. Her, yeah. Um, did you know that Kirsten Dunst, Marie Antoinette? What was that called? This Sophia? Yeah, Coppola. I think it was just called Marie Antoinette. Yeah. The Sophia Coppola. Um, I wonder whether, awesome. yeah, did that have that sort of language? I know that, um, that a lot of the styling was very, very kind of modernistic. She did amazing with the costumes and I think one of the best ways with period, you know, I I am a period clothing nerd and this is one of the things I judge most harshly when I watch any kind of show or movie that is set in any other time but now essentially. And I think you know, one of the hardest things that costume design has come up against is, you know, you either go down the very authentic and true to history route, but then you're also having to try and create characterization and you're trying to create something that's visually stimulating and enjoyable for people. And often the colors they were wearing, often mm. what they were wearing was not that exciting, you know? Mm. So then some people just go completely over the top and just start to take stuff from various points of history and try and create these exciting characters and costumes. And it's just wrong. Yeah. And I think with the Sofia Coppola, 
And also what they did with Far From The Madding Crowd is I think the best way to do it is the silhouettes and the designs mm. and the structure of everything is historically accurate. But the materials and colours mm. are more modern. So that's mm. what they did. They have her in this hot pink silk gown mm. in mm. Marie Antoinette and I don't think hot pink was really a colour that was ever mm. used back then. Mm. But it's so stunning and it's so indicative of her opulence and mm. who she was and it makes sense, you know, but everything to do with the gown, the way it was cut, the material, like it's real silk, you can tell the yeah. way it's cut is is perfect. She's got the panty as she's got the quad, like everything is completely right. So, you know, the, the styling of that was so, so right. And same with Far From The Madding Crowd, everything about the way the dress is structured is right to the 1880s. But it's So this denim. would be a, a recent version of Madding Crowd because I'm sure there are earlier yes. versions. So Yes, it has... What's her name? I think she's so gorgeous. Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. I think she's so beautiful. I, I need to read I need to read it and I need to watch it because I know you're very, very taken with it as a book and mm. that film. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's all about the different types of love and a woman trying to navigate and choose what is right for her. And I identified with it so much when mm. I was younger and I still identify with it mm. now because it's about passionate love is about love that comes with security and it's about love that is love and sustaining and a partnership Mm. and it's represented with three different men and it's like yeah it's Mm. very interesting and she's this smart woman and she's in charge of this farm and you know so she's kind of and it's interesting unusual yeah yeah, very unusual. And um, she kind of, she inherits this farm and so she's there trying to, you know, go into the grain exchange and no one's wanting to buy her grain, even though it's good grain. because she's, she's, so she's uh, And so okay. she's having to lower her prices and Not all of this kind of it. stuff. And so, but then there's this man who loves her so much and would provide her the world and has so much money and isn't no even really. No spoilers too. Because- no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's like, does she take that? security and that option does she keep and you know he's even like keep your farm have it you know he's still giving her her freedom and her independence pitch we should do a far from the madding crowd episode like a book we should do we should do special episodes that are on a book and (laughs) at times we could even have a guest so essentially we're going to do a a a book club podcast (laughs) we're going to have random episodes just as an adjunct and off a spin-off it could be a special, uh, a little extra um, episodes. Well, we should, if we're going to do that, we should also then do Anna Karenina and we should also do Madame Bovary because those are the three books yes. that I wanted to do for my extended essay at school as like right. a study in literature because yep. they are such interesting female characters all written around about the same time, all written by male, male authors, authors mm-hmm. which is so fascinating and all about the kind of complexities and plight of women when it comes to marriage and security and love and their destiny. <laughs> and I wasn't allowed and to still- do it at school because they're all text in translation and they're like, you have to do English texts. You can't do texts uh... that were written in other languages. So you needed to, so they wouldn't let me, they would let me do Far From the Madding Crowd, but they wouldn't let me do that. Assholes. But I think if I'd done that, I would have had an amazing extended essay. Oh, God. Like, I'm still going to write this at some yeah, point. Yeah, do it. And maybe a PhD or something. And those yeah. themes from Far From a Madding Crowd, so relevant today, never not relevant. Never not relevant. And that's yeah. what good literature is, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 